Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Backstage Podcast. My guest this week is Perry Calci. It is nearly impossible to be involved in the District of Park Extension and not cross paths with Perry. Whether it's political, social, or community involvement, at some point or another, you will meet Perry and quickly realize how indispensable he is as a community leader. It is no coincidence we called him Mr. Park X. Through his leadership as the president of the board of directors of PYO, but also as a board member of various social and community organizations, he has greatly impacted the development of Park Extension. What a pleasure it was to have him go back in time to recount what Park X was, how it evolved, and how he sees the future of this ever-changing neighborhood. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Mr. Perry Calce, thank you so much for being here, man. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you for the invitation. It's been a, it's been a long time. Uh, obviously, I, I can't remember. I, I'm not sure if I had seen you during the last campaign. Probably did, uh, but I can't remember. It's been a little while. It has been a little while. How are you doing? You're looking good, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm doing well. Thank you. Uh, I wanted to bring you on because when I started this, this podcast, the idea was to bring to the forefront um, the different people that I had the pleasure of working with or people that I w- would have wished um, to work with or to get to know uh, that kind of work behind the scenes. Not a lot of people know them, but that are contributing greatly um, in their own sphere or in society uh, or in their own element, whatever that may be. And obviously your name was um, on top of that list. Uh, you know, we always called you at the office, we used to always call you Mr. Park X. <laughs> Because anyone that is remotely involved in park extension, whether with you know the different community groups or or socially or anything uh, whatsoever, they've crossed paths with you. That's that's for sure. And uh, you know we're going to talk a little bit. We're going to go through everything that you've done, everything that, that has been accomplished, stuff that you're doing now. And um, I was really looking forward to this uh, uh, to this episode. Um, but first, I, I want to talk to you a little bit because. I remember even before I started politics, I, I remember seeing you around, obviously, whenever you used to speak, but you were always there. Um, have you always been in Park X? I mean, were you born there, or how, how does Park X come in the picture? Uh, Park X is in my blood. Yeah. I was born in Park X, lived essentially all my life, except for about a year where I tried the Plateau, and I thought it was the most horrible experience <laughs> of my life. So I ran back home <laughs> to Park X. So... Uh, if I could use uh, the old song from Glen Campbell, I know every dirty cracks in these dirty yeah. sidewalks of Park X. Park X is home. Park X is unique. Uh, I always say, often when I do, when I speak in public, I say you could take the boy out of Park X, but you can't take yeah. Park X out of the boy. There's something about this little neighborhood of 1.6 square kilometer, 30,000 people that is unique. I have friends that... Uh, are working across the country, maybe in BC and in Toronto, Ottawa, and they were raised in Park X. And when we get together, they go back to the memories. They get back, go back to the me- uh, memories of playing hockey, baseball in Park X, being mm-hmm. at the Piggery, mm-hmm. being steps away from Jerry Park, and listening to Claude Mouton announcing John Buckabella. You know, it, there, there's something about this neighborhood which is quite unique. And 
think people fail to realize that despite the fact that it's considered one of the poorest neighborhoods in the country, that it's also one of the safest. The crime rate is really low, thank God. If you transplant Park Extension to, um, to anywhere in the United States, for example, it'd be a war zone. And Park X is quite the contrary. I think there's a, there's a lot of respect among citizens. It's not the perfect neighborhood, but I think that it has a lot going for it. And Park X right now is going through its biggest transition probably mm -hmm. in its history. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. And I remember um, working with a lot of um, uh, you know ethnic groups, and I always kept telling people that it's it's amazing how on a daily basis we work with um, with different individuals whose background back home um, isn't so pleasant. I mean, you have Pakistanis and Indians uh, living peacefully, whereas back home, not so much the case. Uh, same thing, you know, um, between uh, Pakistanis and Bangladeshis. Back home, not the, not the same reality as it is in Park X. Same thing with the Tamils. Uh, and you can, you know, pick and choose any of the cultural uh, communities in Park Extension and how peacefully they just coexist. It's as if there's, you know, this small little piece of land that is there for them to kind of restart their life and they turn that page and they start from scratch and i think that's what park extension has represented to so many uh, communities and so many people uh, over the years yeah i often refer to it as a form of what jesse jackson called a rainbow coalition mm -hmm. it, it, you need to be extremely strong to immigrate from a country mm -hmm. to leave every everybody you know everything you know behind to come and start at zero, mm -hmm. and where do, it's a different language, it's a different culture, different religion, and their, the leap of fate is for their children because we know that very often first generation immigrants yeah, sac sacrifice themselves enormously <coughs> just to ensure that their children will have a better life. Some, true to hard work, are successful in the first generation as they immigrate after years of working hard. But the majority of them struggle for many, many years, and it's you see their children as they're schooled in Canada and and do end up doing quite well. Mm -hmm. But the first generation is really a sacrifice. It's a labor of love, and I think also that they know it. They comprehend that there's a sacrifice that is required in order for you know my children and their children to kind of live a better life. Um, and it's it's a little bit sad when you think of it because. When you think of all these people immigrating, you automatically assume that they did it to have a better life. Yet when they immigrate, they kind of accept the fact that they're still going to continue suffering uh, until my kids are grown up and old enough to kind of live on their own. But it's going to be a much better life. Yeah. And, and I do think that despite the hardship, uh, they're immigrating to a country which has in a province and a city that still has a lot to offer. And despite the hardship, there's some positive elements to moving to a, to a city like Montreal, a province like Quebec, and a country such, just, such as Canada in regards to individual rights, human rights. And I think some of them leave their country out of fear, and some purely for economic reason, but a lot for fear. And, for, and I think when they're here, it, it's, it's a different feeling and they leave behind the old grudges, mm -hmm. uh, the ethnic grudges that they may have against 
other people and right. knowing that their neighbor may be from a different nationality and back home it might be problematic mm -hmm. uh, they don't want to recreate these tension that they left behind mm -hmm. yeah it's interesting that you say that uh, tell me um about you now growing up in park x um and of, you know we're not here to to you know to expose age or anything like yeah. that but I, i'm you know and obviously park x has changed dramatically uh you know in the, from one decade to the next i mean i i was born in 81 so i grew up in park x probably end of the 80s and 90s so and i i saw that transformation uh happening where uh, a lot of south asian uh minorities started coming in uh but tell me a little bit about park extension like back in you know i don't know maybe yeah. 60s 70s okay. or 80s up until i was born <laughs> right. well i was born 1959 uh just before uh the quiet revolution yeah. great period of change in in this province uh and it was a again a multi-ethnic neighborhood but it was a lot of francophone still uh, a lot of anglophone there was armenian polish uh, hungarians italian that, that made up park x so it was always multi-ethnic but uh, i would say eastern european the big transition when i was growing up it was the arrival of the the greek community which really changed the face of park x uh, enormously in terms of in terms of shop bakery churches the greek community integrated itself quite well and quite rapidly and became quite successful by working extremely hard so mm -hmm. uh, for many years uh, i'd walk in s stores and i'd be greeted in greek you know mm -hmm. and and i then and i'd answer back in greek because it was very normal <laughs> so so it, it was a lot of fun growing up uh, obviously a lot of your friends are from the um, a lot of my friends are from the greek community so uh, i'm italian from origin and we always say you know there's quite a number of similarities between italians and greeks so and they participated quite rapidly to the evolution of, of uh, park extension by getting involved in the community uh, i've been involved for over 25 years with pyo the park extension youth organization and some of their former presidents of boards uh, coaches uh, volunteers emanated from the greek community which was terrific they despite the fact they were first generation they wanted to get involved they got involved they got to appreciate north american sports such as baseball and soccer yeah and their kids played hockey and they played baseball and they they really integrated within uh the community quite rapidly the uh, yeah. next the next major transition uh there was some various community that came in there was a lot of spanish people for a while asians but they didn't stay extremely long in park x they were replaced essentially by uh, the south asian community mm -hmm. and that community uh, the integration was not exactly the same as in the greek community uh, they, they are starting to get involved more and more and that's terrific uh, but the sports that they played you know was cricket when i was growing up in park x in summer you'd walk around and with your baseball bat and your mitt now in park x it's a cricket bat mm -hmm. you know and the, mm -hmm. the cricket cages and and that's great you know it's part of that great diversity which is park extension tell me about you know because you mentioned before growing up in park extension which was considered if not still considered one of the poorest um neighborhoods uh in the country 
socially, uh, park extension at that time, I mean, I remember growing up, you know, in the 80s and 90s, we only got the police station much later. Uh, I do remember park extension being dangerous. Um, you know, I remember the heroin syringes in the, in, in the lanes where we couldn't play, uh, you know, broken glass, there were street gangs. How was that back in the day? Was it as um, pronounced as it was when I was growing up? Or uh, No, uh, there was groups, gangs, mm -hmm. essentially based on lanes and streets. Uh, and, you know, when it would get really violent, it would be a fist fight between two guys, you know. And that was the part of the violence that would exist in neighborhood by guy, you know, kind of establishing their, their turf or territory. Uh, the guys were all tough. They were they came from working class family. So, uh, however, I would go, I mean, the the center of Park X was the Dairy Queen, what is it? I remember, Jean yeah, Jean Talon. You know, where you'd have the largest <coughs> collection of Trans Am and Camaro you'd ever want to see in your life. And people would hang out, and you know they'd rev their motors, and you know they they'd kind of show off a bit. But during that period, despite the fact that it was kind of considered a tough neighborhood, uh, and I was a kid, I never felt in danger mm -hmm. during that period. There was a period later on where there was a number of drug den and uh, drug abuse, and that was a, a period which did not last for a decade, but lasted for four or five years, which. Mm -hmm. which to me was which was very sad, and that was probably the low point in the history of Park X. Uh, and that, that over time, obviously, diminished with the, ch the change in population, as you know as well as I do. The population of Park X changes at 50%, essentially every five years. Mm -hmm. So we're always in transition. So that was a sad transition in our history. Uh, and... Uh, Hopefully, we won't see it again. We're going to get to PYO because you mentioned it, and I, I do want to talk about PYO because it, it is such a such an important you know landmark, uh, not only in Park Extension but I think in general, uh, you know, in the Montreal society. Um, why do you think that Park Extension had that kind of uh, you know that, that kind of I don't know what word I'm looking for, and I want to be <laughs> polite as possible, but why was it that defined that way as, you know, uh, a center for, you know, gangs and drugs? And do you think necessarily it had something to do with, you know, the association to the poverty and to those uh, immigrant uh, families and the different classes that they were in? I think that I think that's possible. I think whenever you you are in a neighborhood which is considered poor, uh, people view you in a s certain optic. Sometimes it's wrong, most time it's wrong, but uh, they've seen they looked at Park X as really a place of tough guys. I went to William Ingston High School, and if you'd say where you'd go to school, and you'd say Ingston, oh, so tough, you have fights every day, and. Uh, no, it wasn't the case. It was a great high school, in fact, uh, with some great teachers and great students that came and that left that high school mm -hmm. and went on to become lawyers, architects, yeah. notaries, etc. So it, it's a little bit sad 
uh, that because you come from a poor neighborhood or a disadvantaged neighborhood that you're characterized as, you know, tough, violent. And it's not my experience in Park X. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I've been extremely fortunate. I never really saw much violence. I saw a few fights here and there, but it was mainly outside Easton, two guys deciding that they would solve their issues. And uh, I think that overall, beside that period, and where many of them weren't part from Park Act, mm -hmm. people were coming in to buy their drugs, they'd squat, they'd, and that was due to the, also to the fact that it was affordable housing. Historically, it was cheap to live in Park Act. Mm -hmm. So if you were underemployed, if you were a drug addict, you know, to rent a, a one and a half, a bachelor in Park X was pretty cheap, so you could help your consumption of of uh, drugs, you know, by paying a lower rent, by associating yourself with people that had the same problematic as you. Mm -hmm. And that, uh, and I know for quite a while in the Greek community, it was a, it was an epidemic. Mm -hmm. A lot of the young kids, you know, their their father were working hard, their mother were working. Yeah, no one's they, home. No, yeah. one, no one's home, so they get into drugs. And f I think for the Greek community, it's not something that we talked about very often. But uh, it was yeah. it was for a, a period of time, I think, a plague in the Greek community. Because it's also a cultural thing, right? Whatever happens home stays home kind of thing, right? We don't want anyone knowing... Our, our troubles or our issues uh, and it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that I don't know if you've seen the documentary uh, by Tony Asimakopoulos uh, back to Park X I think that uh, he refers to that uh, to that problem back in you know the 70s 60s 70s 80s um, of course I, I wasn't even born and if I were born I was too even too young to even realize these things and you know for our generation watching that documentary it was a big eye-opener and, you know, I met Tony and, you know, we know each other uh, very well. And um, it's just incredible the, the amount of work he put into that. And um, I think he's leaving behind really uh, an interesting piece of uh, cinematography there that's going to really portray Park Extension. Uh, and exactly what you said, you know, the side of Park Extension that a lot of people don't know or haven't gotten to know. No, it, was, it was courageous on his part mm -hmm. to put out in the film but especially but within the Greek community right because he he interviews a lot of people and he, at some point he interviewed the, some priests and I, I was shocked right but at the same time in the back of my mind I, I know exactly how things work right you don't know that these things exist because it's such a private matter but you know I, it, it's interesting that you're saying that it was at a large large scale uh, in Park Extension yeah, it, was, it was probably one of those the Greek community, as I said before, contributed so much to the development of Park X, uh, incredibly. Uh, that that part of their history, because of you know the absent father and mother, because they were both working so many hours, that uh, many of the kids were left to fend for themselves, uh, not in terms of clothing, not in terms of housing or things of the sort, but at so much time, and they often fall into the wrong the path. Route, yeah, you know. And but it's important. It's part of a history of a neighborhood. It has to be discussed. It has to be looked at. And I think Tony did a, a great work mm -hmm. by you know at least exploring this in this topic. Let's talk about PYO because, uh, like I said, it's such a such a such a huge landmark in Park Extension. And you've been there. 
I'm imagining for the greater part of this uh, of this organization. Uh, I've been with PYO for about 27 years, and two years ago, uh, PYO celebrated its 50th anniversary, mm-hmm. uh, and you were there at, yeah, at one of our launch. Uh, it was really extraordinary. Uh, I'm so proud of that organization. Uh, for what it has done for the kids of this neighborhood. What was the reason behind, you know, the creation of this organization? Was there a crying need to create this organization to kind of bring in the youth that was left, you know, in the streets doing a bunch of, you know, things that, you know, people didn't want them to do? Or was there anything else related to that? Well, uh, the two founders were Mike Pagano and Wally Ziobro, who who were quite young at the time and could see that, you know, there was very little uh, activities for the kids as the previous sport organization that was there that was done by the Canadian Legion which was called Flanders uh, was slowly um, wasn't working as well Mm -hmm. Uh, they kind of started reinitiating you know everything from dances in school basements to uh, youth council to the creation or the establishment of sports such as hockey and baseball and soccer and uh, even runs throughout through Park X. So, uh, and they work extremely hard in these early years to really put uh, PYO on the map. But not only this, but giving kids and uh, um, activities to do through organized sports. So removing them from you know possibly the streets mm-hmm. and bringing them into organized sports. Uh, and it's pretty amazing because Park X, as you know, is a small neighborhood. And, you know, at time you'd have over a thousand kids playing hockey in, in Park X. You know, it's down now down to about 20, 25 wow. kids playing. Uh, and PYO still supports it through a program to ensure that we still have a hockey program. But, you know, at one point, well over, you know, hundreds of teams would play for PYO. Same in baseball. So it, it, it's amazing to this day that uh, a lot of kids bring back their, their memories from having played, uh, you know, at Owie or having played at the Piggery or Howard Park outside. They were all part and parcel mm-hmm. of them growing up and the memories that they have at Park X. And many of them, uh, when we did the 50th anniversary, through testimonial, said that, you know, without Park X, uh, without PYO, I don't know where I'd be. Mm-hmm. I'd be in the street, I'd be in jail. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a, an escape for them to be able to participate in uh, recreational activities. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you thought uh, that PYO played some sort of role, um, you know, through that youth engagement uh, to act as a gateway, you know, to a better future for these kids. I I, I think so. I it's not because I'm involved with the organization. It started well before I got involved. But I think uh, without PYO, uh, Park X wouldn't be the kind of neighborhood or the kind of experience that people have identified over the years. a positive experience. For sure. Uh, so obviously PYO evolved and changed over the years. But that the period where sport was involved was a... Uh, was really needed for the, the kids in this neighborhood because they had no other outlet, right? Mm-hmm. Because we're looking at a very, very different period in history. You know, t- television, not everybody had television, mm-hmm. you know, when it started. 
it was just really starting to be widely used. Like the only option you had yeah. back then was to just go play outside. You would play outside in yeah. the lane with your friends, ride your bike. And finally, you had a number of sports activities that were available that were uh, not only available, but very affordable, you know. So nowadays, uh, it's, it's a little bit sad, but you look at the national sport of this country, and so many people now can't play because they just can't afford it. Mm -hmm. You know, the price of equipment is, you know. Oh, yeah, it's astronomical. It's, yeah. it's extremely high. The price of joining a, a team is high. And then when you get competitive, most families now can't afford it. Mm -hmm. So it's the disappearance of that. But during those early days of PYO, you know, there was enough equipment. There was enough for us to help a lot of kids get their equipment, their first pair of skates. How was all that funded? It was uh, through uh, donations, or I'm guessing the government programs weren't what they are today, obviously? No, no it, was, it was through a little bit of fundraising. It was a, through a little bit of donation from parts of government until uh, the first major donation was really where it was recurrent funding was through Trade. Mm -hmm. And then what we did over the years was also... We started with the meals program in school, where we uh, serve over a thousand meals a day in area schools. We were able to generate it as a profit center and generate some fund, which would be automatically reinvest in the community. Mm -hmm. But now, uh, PYO is funded by the municipal, provincial, federal government, Sound Trade Foundation for the work that we do. I think we're recognized uh, because of the work of our staff, not uh, board members. Mm -hmm. But the amazing work that they do and how they contribute to the well-being of children and their family in the neighborhood. So, as they say in French, PYO is an incontournable. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, guaranteed. I mean, you know, anyone that thinks of park extension automatically thinks of PYO. Like, for me, it's such a staple, right? And I never participated in PYO. Uh, I wasn't in any soccer teams, hockey teams, uh, baseball teams. I, I didn't take part in any of that. Um, but I remember watching games almost every weekend, right? Whether it was at the park or at Howie Moran's, like you said, there was always something happening. And, you know, I had either a family member or a friend that was playing. There was always, you know, this activity. And it wasn't only the youth that it managed to attract. Through the games and the tournaments, there was all the parents and their families, and it was just this huge event happening. And I think that's as important because, you know, uh, when you participate in sports and your parents are there, well, they create link with other parents, right? You mm -hmm. understand, and you become become a f friends or acquaintances. Even though sometimes yeah, there sometimes. was some. Uh... Oh yes, that's <laughs> for sure. That's for sure. But that's the nature of sport, I guess, to an extent. But people would create link and yeah. they'd become friends, and then they'd get involved in coaching, and you know they do something. You know, soccer was started essentially a little bit by PYO, but then taken over with the passion of the Greek community for soccer, mm -hmm. Panellenos, mm -hmm. etc. And so they still, to this day, Panellenos kind of is the, the motor for, for soccer in Park X. Right. A good chunk of the city now in some part because in Belray and... Yeah, they've taken that they've over. Yeah, yeah. taken it over. And so they provide a, a really important summer and actually it's 12 months a year now. Yeah, because of the indoor. The yeah. indoor soccer. So... It, it was important in creating these linkages between people and affinities and a desire. You know, you, you'd fill out with Morens during tournaments, you know, which was you know, really amazing. So that created part of the, you know, the notion of belonging.
to a neighborhood belonging to a to an organization. You know. How has that evolved? Because you said now that you have you know much less uh, kids than you used to back in the day. Uh, you know, where does the organization stand in terms of this, and why has this evolution happened this way? Well, in certain part, I, mean, I guess it was partly cultural because the new arrival to Park X, which represented over 65% of the population, was from South Asia. So hockey and baseball was yeah. not part of their cultural DNA. Some are now playing, which is great. But, you know, so it slowly killed the participation mm -hmm. of children in these sports. But and it was also yeah. another element that killed it. Uh, once PY was, I mean, I don't want to linger on, on this too long, but sports in Quebec are all federated. And you belong to a federation. And when our hockey program kind of died is, you know, we'd have enough players to make a team, two teams, three teams. And if you feel the team an Atom, Pee-wee, you're automatically an A, although your, your composition of your team's a C. So mm -hmm. we'd send the kids out to play, and they get slaughtered, you yeah. know, 12, 14, 15, nothing, wow. because they weren't a category, yeah. but because the way the Federation set up the the scheme of things, you know, it kind of accentuated or speeded up the, uh, the death of some of these organized sports. And but what games. would have been the alternative? The alternative would have probably been to try to uh, organize solely house league and developmental hockey, and that's what we do now. Uh, we, For the past eight, nine years, we have a developmental program, which is called SLAP, the SLAP Park X, mm -hmm. which allows kids to come and learn hockey at a almost a very, very low cost and develop these skills. And so parents could see if their children enjoy it, yeah. learn how to skate, pass, shoot, and if they want to further their hockey uh, career, then join a federated sports. So our notion right now is really to uh, ensure that uh, people that want to play hockey for the first time and try it out and learn the skills could do it in the form of a safe environment. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the kids that we've had over the years have gone on to federated and play are really good hockey players. Mm -hmm. But that's true for the girls and the guys also. So you mentioned before the South Asian communities, they came in and obviously their attachment was to, to cricket. Uh, and, you know, I know that PYO kind of adopted that sport in order to attract, you know, this quote-unquote clientele. But is it widespread across the province or across the city or, you know, the greater Montreal area enough to create a league or to create tournaments? Oh, there is leagues, there is tournaments, there is federations uh, of crickets because cricket is also played in England, mm -hmm, Australia, mm -hmm. in a number of countries. Uh, so it is growing uh, in terms of as a sport and in Montreal. And what about I, through PYO? Is that growing? Uh, we continue to sponsor it, and we have coaches that teach kids. Uh, and that's where we're going to, that's going to be our level of involvement, is really to make the sport accessible to, to kids by providing coaches and training. So that's what we're going to do. Without having moved away completely from sport, uh, because we still have hockey, we're still involved with Penelinos, with soccer as a partner in cricket. Uh, we do less sport than we used to. It's more social services. 
our, our mission has changed over the last 25 years mm -hmm. uh, to really address some of the core pro uh, problems. Uh, sport remains to me a great outlet, and it's very important. We'll never leave sport because that's where we emanate from. Mm -hmm. uh, but let's say it is not our, our central mission. Do you think that there's been a shift? You mentioned the social services, and obviously, like you mentioned before, there there's always been need for social services. Just that it's been kept, you know, uh, kind of hush hush, right? In the in in, in the older uh, generations, and now with all the communication tools and all the services that are available, uh, there seems to be much more people coming forward with you know whatever issue. Um, is that what's happening in PYO? I mean, you're, you're kind of transitioning into a more social. Yeah. And what kind of programs do you have? Well, uh, as I said before, before the CSEM took back its meals program about four years ago, for mm -hmm. over 10 years, we were the main meal providers for area schools. Uh, we created also a community cafeteria, which is an existing Meals on Wheels program. And in order to finance some of our activities, we've created a catering service. Uh, we have a art and fable department, which has been financed by Health Canada for over 15 years now, where our educators go into class, usually in welcome class, and try to have children that have come from often war-torn countries or from poverty who have trouble expressing themselves, express themselves through various forms of arts. And the uh, obviously the, the feedback that we've got from their teachers and the administrator of all the school has been amazing how much they're able to start really uh, relating some of their experience and coming out of their shell because there's Im the immigration uh, stigma, not uh, stigma might not be the bad word, but the right word, but you know, the, the difficulty well, the effects of, of immigration, yeah. Uh, so we have this program, we have a, a XART where we have uh, slightly older uh, young people from... How's that doing? It's doing real well. That w that's a project that I'm very proud of uh, because it was the first time in the history of PYO uh, that we invested in what I call mortar. Uh, it's located in the William Hickson Center at the other end, and we kind of invested about $50,000 to renovate, and this would be kind of a drop-in center for you, where we provide them, you know, with uh, a number of outlets, maybe sewing, maybe breakdancing, maybe hip-hop, maybe a number of activities <coughs> that they do. For many of these kids, we take them out of the, and we bring them somewhere, maybe in Quebec City, mm -hmm. in the Saguenay or somewhere. And it's picking up? Yeah, it, it's working extremely well. Uh, it's, it's not only uh, trips that we do with them or... Uh, workshops on hip hop, etc. Yeah, but it's also job counseling. It's trying to have them, you know, find their path and their way. And instead of being on the street, being in a safe environment, and you know, kind of encouraging them either to find work or going back to school. Are these kids like challenged, like academically? Do they have challenges, or are they excelling well in school? Um, I I think. Uh, some are very bright, but uh, they have their challenge in mm -hmm. school, and keeping sometimes people that have have difficulty in school, in school. And, but that's not unique to Park X because mm -hmm. if we look at the statistics in regards to the dropout rate, high school dropout rate in this province in this city, 
it's scary. Mm-hmm. Oh, for know, sure. When, yeah. when close to, when sometime over 50% of kids don't graduate from high school. Oh, for sure. That's uh, why that bracket between 13 and 16 years old is so, so, so important. Yeah. Uh, you know, and sometime, you know, if the parents don't have the linguistic skill to help them, you know, because these kids are, many of them are from the immigration patterns, uh, their parents, you know, speak their mother tongue. They, they speak, can't help. You know, you're you're doing schoolwork, and you know there's no real support. You know, and it's a little bit perhaps like you know when you were. It's definitely up, what I went know, through you know, for sure. There were so know. many language barriers, and my parents did the best they could with what they knew, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but I can definitely, you know, imagine how it must have been in a house where the parents weren't there, for example, which is what you mentioned before. You, you disconnect. You know, and I mean, I'm I'm going from one topic to another, but very often the interpreter, when you meet the the, the teacher, is a six year old, a seven year old. You know, oh yeah, you know, yeah, they, yeah. They do have, uh, you know, people that come in with the language kill, but very often, you know, the barrier. Now, the I remember, trend. I remember calling hydro <laughs> at the age yeah. of eight, nine. <laughs> you know, you are you are the the spokesperson yeah. for the family. You know, and you're the transmission of information. And that, that that's pretty amazing. I mean, so these many of these kids grow up much faster than the average kid. Mm-hmm. But this program, the the X Art program, um, it's been growing in, in in kids. It's been it's been growing in numbers. In numbers and program, uh, it's <clears throat> being recognized by uh, funders, uh, you know, from the city to the province of the work that that is done and how positive an impact it has on. Uh, these young pe- these young men and young women, so we're extremely proud of it. It was a it was a project that we were looking at for years, and we had to make an investment in the strategic decision. And uh, I'm so proud that we've done it, and it it has changed the life of many well, in, no, a posi- in a very positive. I, way. I, there's, I, I, there's no doubt. There's no doubt because as much as you want to bring in, you know, children at a young age. <clears throat> to kind of get them used to not being in the streets and not, you know, straying away into the wrong crowds. When you hit that age, you know, when, you know, you're a young adult uh, or a teenager, that's when things escalate, right? That's when things can really go uh, wrong and it can go quickly too. And uh, we've noticed these kids then become also volunteer. Mm Mm-hmm. And we now want them to form a youth council and bring ideas to the board of directors of things they'd like to be see uh, done for young people. So we want to involve them. We want to empower them. Uh, and that's very important. Of course. That's a great idea. And I think that maybe you can approach the borough to have them kind of not integrated in the borough, but to have the borough kind of give them a voice, right? Or if the borough can create a youth council, to have them participate in that. You know, because... The best information comes from these these young people, right? They live, they have realities that they go, they live through. They have needs, they have, and you know, we may have ideas of what we should put in terms of programming, but you know, the best research is really talking to them. Mm-hmm. And the notion of empowerment is so important; it's fundamental in what we do. Uh, for example, one of our big program is a summer program or summer camp. We usually have about 300 to 350 kids for an eight-week period. These are all from Park X. Essentially all from Park wow, X. You okay. may have some, a few from Villeray, a few from, yeah. but the vast majority are from Park X. 
and the way we do it is obviously through a, a career a summer career program we get a lot of funding from the federal government so we put them in groups but we also have monitors but we had we created many years ago assistant monitor people that finished a program that are not old enough that become assistant monitor and these assistant monitor do exactly the same thing as monitor they help they assist they participate in every activity uh, they do it on a volunteer basis and when they get old enough they become cans cam counselor we've had cam counselor that started as campers became assistant monitors became monitors and became coordinator of the camp yeah well you know and you know it's growing it's what i call you know growing up through park x you start camp at six by 12 you're you're running you, it you know <laughs> you're you're now an assistant monitor by 16 you're uh you're a monitor and further down the line you become a the coordinator so yeah. you know it's all notion of empowerment keeping keeping people close to the organization so we never have problem recruiting uh, camp monitor it's a huge problem throughout the, the camps in the throughout the city of montreal but not pyo because we have our own farm team mm -hmm. is there um is there like an outreach program um for the schools in the area uh yes there is it's not done through us we, we our outreach is really with our account where our art and fable team mm -hmm. go out in the school that's where our outreach is uh, but there is other community organization that do outreach that do uh, do sits mm -hmm. and various program and they do you know they do really very 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 good work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, I was thinking more you know to get the kids active and all that stuff. Of course, each school wants to have their own kind of because you know they obviously get funded for this uh, sort of things. But I would imagine that as such a pillar in in the area. If there was uh, a way to get the schools kind of to participate in your programs and to send the kids, for example, to the summer programs or to get them involved in the sport activities, or we we, we advertise through you know through all the schools, but the schools are very often at their limit in terms of you know just stuffing uh, an extra piece of paper yeah. in the kids' bag, you know. So we we'll, we'd have our people outside giving the flyers and the information to kids. Obviously, we have our website, we have our Facebook page, and we try to communicate through this. Uh, but uh, it's always, a, it, it's not a challenge to fill a program like as the summer camp, the winter camp, you know. And most activity, we have really no problem. Uh, people are aware, we're obviously in the William Easton Center, which is kind of the hub or the community center of Park Act. For sure. So, because we're quite present there, people what, know about us. What kind of impact has it had, the fact that the, um, the, the school uh, commission took over most of that building? Yeah, th that, is, uh, that is problematic to an extent. I mean, at the moment, we're, we, the city of Montreal rents the locale for the community organization that are there, and there's a number of them, so it's adult ed through... Code of Financiation, a large elementary school, and the community organization, we all coexist. Uh, there is structural problem in the building, major okay. structural problem. Uh, we were just told that uh, we, were, we were extremely afraid a couple of weeks ago, a few months ago, oh, yeah. uh, that uh, the major renovation that needed to be done in the school 
which closed down the complex for a period of a year, a wow. year and a half. Uh, problem with foundation, problem with leakage. And, well, that would uh, be destructive for all the organizations. All there. the organization, and where do you relocate those six, 700 kids? And we're told that the, the CSDM was going to look at all the plans because it's going to take a fair amount, and probably the major renovation will take probably place in four to five years. So we caught, we kind of have a, a window, mm -hmm. uh, but it's enormous because you have this, but you have facilities in the, the neighborhood that would be great to use, such as the auditorium, which is really an, an amazing space, mm -hmm. but it's not used. It's condemned right now because the CSEM and the city can't agree who would pay for the renovation. Okay. So, yeah, when we put together the PYO 50th anniversary, we thought, you know, we'd have a film festival of films from Park X, Tony's film, mm -hmm. and other films that were none about Park X, but it was unusable. Well, okay, it's dated It's dating that long. Uh, yeah, yeah, so for the past number of years, it's unusable. So, th thank God the city has been very good to many community organizations, including PYO, so enabling us to ha have our activities and our facilities there. But a lot of these organizations had, you know, they were forced to kind of leave. You know, their, their office space was taken over. Um and through these organizations, obviously, you see each other every day. There's different, um, you know, there's different, uh, there's a variety of cooperation uh, and events that happen, you know, jointly with PYO and the other organizations. And through there, you can kind of extend your services into their members and so on and so forth. So these organizations having to leave, did that have an impact on the... Uh, it didn't have a serious impact because yeah. the groups that were very involved or had an impact remained it was some of these smaller organization that had sm uh, smaller following or mm -hmm. less of an impact that were asked to move and you know there's such a sh shortage of uh, classroom in, in in this city you know even an organization with the reputation of sun Ute yeah was moved they, out. Yeah, they had with, to. You know, and, but you now, know, are they in Park X now, or they're just outside? I think they're, they're, they're just, just south outside, of Beaumont, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah just yeah, south yeah, of yeah. Beaumont after the underpass. They're there for another year, I believe, before they're permanent. Uh, Where are they going? Do you know? This is really off topic, uh, but... Uh, I'm not exactly sure, but I'm, I was told that they would be there for approximately two years, and we all know the reputation, the stellar reputation of Sun Yu. Do you think they're going to tap into the, your services at all, or...? Look, the... Look, I don't see them as adversary. Mm -hmm. uh, the way I look at it is the more services we could provide. Oh, to the, the better, citizen, absolutely, yeah. The better. It's not in chasse garde. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I, I welcome them. Uh, the more services to the kids, the more services to the youth, to the general population, to me, that's fundamental. If we could work in partnership, and we did work in partnership with them when we started SLAP with them for several years. Uh, it's not a problem. You you know, working in partnership is something that we we want. Yeah, it's fantastic. And uh, we don't see them as adversary. We see them as potential partners. Tell me a little bit about your involvement. Um, it's such a, you know, you're so adamant about being involved at a community level. Uh, you know, socially, you've sat on the boards of so many organizations. We sat together on the board of the SIDEC. Uh, you know, obviously, you're on the board of the uh, PYO. The the the, the Citroises, which is the health services um, in Park Extension, the, the police station. Why such an adamant uh, involvement socially and at a community level? 
I, I think I've been very fortunate. You know, I great parents. I went to university. Uh, I worked for a university. I and I, I believe. I mean, uh, that I mean, it's the John F. Kennedy kind of thing. You know, don't ask what your country could do for you, but what you could do for your country. I don't want to overemphasize it, but I think that you know, each of us has something to give. Maybe on the board, maybe volunteering, and I think it completes us. I think by giving to the community or trying to help, I've learned so much. It's you know, I don't want to use the Trumpian quid pro quo notion, <laughs> but you, you can't help helping without helping yourself. Yeah. And I gained so much from helping from trying to help to bring some of my energy, some of the some of the few skills that I may have to the community. So for me it's 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 fundamental. I think all of us if we give a few hours a week, and we all have a few hours a week. In your case, though, it's a little a bit more than a few hours a week. But but it, it but it's okay because I live in Park X. Uh, my son grew up in Park X. I I got remarried, and I have a daughter of eleven that participates in everything humanly possible. Uh, and so, I'm ensuring that there's activities for her and other children. Right. So. Uh, it, it's normal for me. I've been volunteering for over 30 years in different organization, and I, I'd lie if I'd say I don't like it. Mm -hmm. I enjoy it. Well, I, I hope you do. I mean, nobody would do something no, no, for that long no. without I, enjoying I, it. I, I enjoy it, and, you know, and if you could see results, and we often see results, then, you know, it's very gratifying, you know. Uh, but that's what's amazing for me because you have such a long history in involvement um, in, you know, in various organizations, obviously more specifically PYO, uh, but in every other organization that you've been involved in and you've definitely seen this progress happen over the last 30 years and for the better, I think. Yeah, but I've seen a regression. Lately or? In the last seven years, I've seen How a regression. How so? Well, you sat, we sat together at the, at the SEDEC and the SEDEC were... They were dissolved. Uh, yeah. They were dissolved. Uh, the Citroën as la Montagne was the CLSC Parc Extension and became the Citroën as la Montagne. It went to the Jewish. It, it, it left Park X uh, and SEDEC. They were two major players, mm -hmm. two major actors with financial wherewithal, with a great leadership with Mark Sugevinsky and Denis Serrois. But yeah. all these people, when these organization were dissolved or amalgamated, such as the Citroën the representation of citizen ceased to happen as well. Yeah, that's a good point, because I was going to say that maybe they don't exist as they were before, but the territory is still covered to some extent within the new uh, format. Yeah. But what you're saying is important. The representation has changed. There is no representation of anyone from Park X on... Uh, uh, in the new SEDEC. In this new SEDEC. And in the new Citroën In this Citroën And the SEDEC, you had, you know, several people from Park Absolutely, X yeah. That, that sat around. Uh, same thing at the Citroën And now there's no representation in two extremely fundamental organizations. Absolutely. So, so you've seen services kind of waver? Like you, you've seen the lack of... Uh, well, the democratic process or the community invo the involvement of citizen in these types of structure has been systematically eliminated. And there was no outreach from people to say, you know, we need, you know, as the Citroën has health and social services, you know, considering, you know, we have 30,000 citizens, very many are poor, many are 
uh, health issues because of the aging of the population, mm-hmm. that there is no representation, there was no reaching out to to people saying, you know, maybe you could sit on board, maybe you could be on a committee, maybe mm-hmm. you could, these things don't exist anymore. So I think mm, in regards, from a democratic standpoint, from a, an engagement standpoint, I think we, we became a little weaker. And, and that's, to me, is unfortunate. And it's reflected to the services that you probably don't see. That, or that could be better. That could be better. That could respond more positively. You know, the SIDEX launch a number of small business and partnerships. Absolutely. provide, you know, support, assistance. Uh, so these things, you know, although they exist somewhere else, they're not in the midst of Parkec. Both these organizations had, you know, SIDEX was obviously in Parkec. Mm-hmm. S was in Code NH, but, you know, within the new uh, CLSC that was built in Parkec, yeah. th- th- there was constant there was interaction. A yeah. There was a st- from uh, the leadership you know, from the executive director of both these organizations. Mm-hmm. So I think that was quite unfortunate. And I, I, I believe, and I believe to this day, that ParkX is weaker without these two institutions in, in our midst. Right. And what's happening now? I mean, how do you how do you deal without that? We don't. Right. You know, uh, it's... Uh, I remember when the Citroën S, which I thought was fundamental and important, you know, if you wanted to be part of the new entity, you had to write a letter to the minister justifying why you should, you know, be included on the board. I'm sorry, it's not the way, you know, people don't usually want to beg to be on a board mm-hmm. as a volunteer. You of know. course. You're, you're either invited to join or, you know, or to identify certain people that they would like there for their ability. So it was a bit unfortunate. And, you know, I, I don't want to criticize one of the best hospitals in the city. Mm-hmm. You know the Jewish general. No, for sure. The amazing work, but you know, if you look at the com- the, com- uh, the composition of their board, you know, there's nobody close. To there's no yet. representation. You know, not even one, not even tokenism. You know. Hmm. Wow. Uh, let's go back to Parkex, but Parkex today, uh, aside from what you just said, I mean, what's good? Uh, what's better? Um, you know, what still needs to be improved? Um, how do you see Park X today? Because it has, I think in the last maybe five to ten years, there's been a huge change in Park Extension, not only demographically, but, you know, socially and economically. Well, Park X is changing every day and very rapidly. Mm-hmm. And your your assessment is, is right on. It is changing demographically. Uh, I think some of it is the pressure of uh, the plateau in my land where rents became exorbitant. Yeah. And they migrated north. They migrated north. Uh, and so, you know, for many years, I'd walk this, this my streets of Park X. Isn't it strange? Yeah, yeah, no. You're like, these people feel like they don't belong. And I mean, everybody belongs yeah. everywhere, but it just doesn't fit what you've been used you to. Know, <laughs> you know, when, you know, I'd walk and, you know, everybody was South Asian, you know, in 70%. And, uh, and all of a sudden, you know, you have, you know, people that are in plat- dreadlocks, in dreadlocks from the plateau, <laughs> yeah. artists, uh, yeah. and they're great, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. but they visually 
don't resemble a park X roof. Do you think that, you know, we mentioned before how park extension has gone through all these transitions that usually last five to ten years. You know, you have this, you know, this wave of immigrants coming in. Do you think that this was probably the last one and this wave coming in may potentially be the last one? It's probably going to settle for a long time. Well, although they don't look like park Xers at the moment, uh, they bring in a wealth of energy, intelligent. Mm-hmm. Uh, many of them are university educated. They're, yeah. they're part of the no young professionals, young entrepreneurs. Profession. Yeah, it, it's so you know it's terrific. It's terrific, but it pushes out resident by the gentrification. I mean, so this yeah, sort. so this is the big debate now in park extension. Do you want to have an area that prospers economically, uh, or do you want to kind of hold? the area back and this is you know it's not against the people living in park extension it's just i believe a natural evolution uh and it's a huge debate now in park extension it's a lot of people are very afraid of uh, you know it it all started i mean the centerpiece and the centerpiece is now going to be there forever yeah it's the university the campus the mill campus yeah i'm going to be honest with you perry because when we came in in 2007 um you know one of the first files that we got on was actually that we met with the administration of the university they showed us the plans we had countless meetings back and forth um you know there were there's a lot of uh there's a lot of organizations from park extension with you know a lot of um uh, specific demands uh and rightfully so I was always in favor of this project because having been born and raised in Park Extension, I saw a side of Park Extension that these new people coming in don't even know it existed, all right? And seeing the potential of an area like Park Extension to evolve, quote-unquote, finally, for me was a good thing. I I never saw it as something negative. I I work in university, so it'd be, uh, you know, uh, the, the notion of, you know, having a university located, you know, in your midst, to me, was extremely positive. Mm-hmm. Uh, what could have been done better on the part of perhaps Investment Monal is, and, and there's a committees, there's committees and, and that have met over time of what they call bon voisinage, mm-hmm. or, you mm-hmm. know, there could be, you know, some partnerships, some parts of it, and, and there is. There is, yeah, they've there started, is. like they've, they've partnered with Barclay School, they have yeah. that clinic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so yeah. they've started. I think they could do much more because the Simona has a huge organization. Mm-hmm. You know, it could, to me, you know, it'd be very difficult, very simple with some of their donor to say, let's establish, you know, 10 scholarship for people, from kids from Park X, mm-hmm. you know, that may not have the, the funds to go mm-hmm. to university. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's use our graduate student to give, you know, more workshops or, you know, really integrate the have department and community organization kind of partner up. I think there's still a lot of work to be done, but it changes. This is the game changer. This is where and it happened. Is. It happened almost in a second, right? As soon as, uh, look, we started noticing the demographic change because you know our job is. To look for votes, right? Yeah. Our main worry is where are, where are our electors and how do we get them to vote? That was my job, right? And when you start noticing this changes, and we started noticing it in Villaray around 2007, 8, 9, and then there was this spillover into Park Extension. Um, and it felt like after 2017, 18, when the date was coming up for the, the campus to open, it exploded. It, it just exploded. Everything, it's as if we woke up and it was a completely different neighborhood. 
it is it is changing so rapidly. Even Vanier College opened a continuing education office in Park X. Oh, I didn't Bowman. know that. Okay. We just recently, a few months ago, uh, you know, uh, Chef Laprise from La Tuckey opened yeah, yeah, that new bo- yeah. You know, who would have said that, you know, the subsidiary of La Tuckey Look, would I, I grew up on Delepi, uh, Delepi and Beaumont. That was my uh, in the, the most southern part of Park X. Right, around, right across from McLaren Belting, where I used to play baseball. Yeah, so we, we were afraid to play on Beaumont Street. It was this very dark place, very industrial. We never went on Beaumont. It was scary. And, you know, this transformation, I mean, I drive by Beaumont now, and it's, it's a completely different neighborhood. It's condos after condos. Who would have said 20 years ago that Park X would be now, you know. It's the hot spot. For, to build condos. But there's also the accessibility, right? People want, and you know what? A lot of people I know that have moved, moved out of Park Extension are coming back now into Park Extension. Either their family or their parents had property. They're coming back. They're reinvesting. You know, you're, you know, you have two, uh, two metro stations. You have buses. You're right next to the Mets. You're the highways. To 15. Yeah. You're 15 minutes from downtown by car, 10 minutes of the, no traffic. You know, where it's located is essentially... It's the best. It's the best. But it's creating a huge uh, problem. And especially now in the Quebec government, they're looking at all the the, the housing crisis. Park Extension is at the heart of this whole uh, issue. But by the time they react, it'll be too late. Well, the the city, I I read the other day, the city just passed a regulation to have the first right of refusal. Uh, A lot of those properties are in Park X. Yeah, and uh, the Betanel building will be transforming social housing, which is positive. But, you know, developers have deep pocket and move extremely fast. Mm -hmm. Is that a problem, you think? I think think it's it's a problem. How grave will it be? You know, time will tell, but we could see where... Uh, Van Orn Bakery was on corner of the curbs and uh, Beaumont. It's a huge oh, the bagel, line the bagel shop. Yeah, yeah. Is now has been demolished and the condos are going up, and that's a huge piece of land. And part of it was supposedly reserved for social housing. Obviously, that won't happen anymore. Uh, but you don't want to create. You know, it's it's a little bit problematic because you know developers are coming in. There's a need. There's a market. And they, they're moving faster than governments can, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, we'll see what happens. But, you know, Park X doesn't look the same, won't look the same, and be quite different. I think that's a good thing. But coming back to what you were saying, is there a possibility that this mini social crisis may occur? People that don't have the means that are obviously forced to leave their residence because new developers are buying it uh, and they're forcing the tenants to leave because they're renovating. Where are these people going to go when Park Extension has, for the longest time, been considered one of the cheaper areas to live in? And if you look at the surrounding areas, they can't go to Outremont, they can't go to TMR, they can't go to you know Lacadie or uh, Saint Laurent or you know even Villeray. Forget it. Who's really voicing this concern is the new Park Xers, the, the new group that left from the plateau, and they're becoming the new voice. It's but not, I, f- I it's find that so contradicting because all this is happening because they moved in and they are the ones voicing that concern as well. It's, you know, they're activists mm-hmm. in a positive sense. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, they're educated. They're seeing a trend. They now identify themselves as residents of Park X. 
and they're gonna they're gonna fight the battle for for the rest of the citizens. So it's it's kind of you're correct. You know, analysis is you know they're part of the people that pushed these. Uh, they're part of the source. They're, they're the source of the problem. But now, <laughs> well, problem, become, quote unquote. Now they're the defenders. So you know, for somebody that's born and raised in Park X, I always kind of you know have a little bit of a chuckle. You know, it's not the because I talk to residents, you know, over coffee, and they say, isn't it great? And you're more, oh, oh, van you got here. The residents have been there for a long time, think it's great, you know, that there's a form of gentrification. That's people that live there all their lives. Yeah, like I like I, like, like know, I did, and they, I they, think it's perfect. And we're, we're not really opposed. We want to make sure that residents have affordable and proper housing and all of that. But we're not, like, up in arm. But the new, the new group... Is is much more up in arm. And I, I just find that so mysterious. Be, it's you know. it's uh, you know, like I, think about it. You move into an area because it's developing, uh, it's progressing, it's becoming richer, and once you're there, you're like, no, no, we got to put an end to this. <laughs> we don't want any of it. Yeah, I mean, one thing for sure, they mean so well. I mean, no doubt, they mean well, uh, and what they say is, is true. But I'm not sure if they ever realize that they were part of the problem. But now they're, they're you know, they're, they're park X true and true, and they want to help. They want to improve the quality of life. Mm -hmm. And for this, you know, I want to work with them. I want to salute them. But you know, it's, you know, what they often don't understand is that many of the old-time residents are not opposed to an improvement. Absolutely not, uh, especially the, the landlords. The landlords, obviously. You know, the property is going to gain value, and uh, in general, the area is going yeah. is going to elevate. Yeah, and hopefully, you know, people won't move 50% of the population every five years. But that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. I think this wave is probably going to stick around. Creating, a, you know, a really nice neighborhood with m many services, with uh, more resources. Mm -hmm. Because the advantage of having uh, these newcomers is that, They're having children. Mm -hmm. They want to establish roots, and they want to see a strong neighborhood where they'll be living, hopefully, for many years. So I think there's they that will. Need, there, there's that desire on their part, which is highly commendable, that they want to get involved, want to make it a better place. But you know what? Aside from the big developers that are buying these, you know, huge buildings and they're you know demolishing everything and building up again. These new families, these new professionals, uh, you know, there's, you know, maybe they're self-employed entrepreneurs, whatever they are, they're investing money. And I don't know if you've taken a walk in Villaray at all these days, and you know, it's a much older neighborhood than Park Extension, and you have these, these duplexes or triplexes that look completely revamped and new. They're coming in and they're making it into a one house, right, or like a, um, uh, a, a bungalow or a cottage in the middle of the city, and that's what's happening in Park Extension. I think even these new Newcomers are going to be investing in addition to obviously the developers that want to have, um, you know, a foot on a foothold on uh, on the property, a and it's funny because the irony in this whole thing, from my point of view, was that I was so happy about this transition, even though we knew that politically it may not be <laughs> in our favor, right? That's, but I but I I was so happy that this was happening while also. Understanding that we're, we're cooked. <laughs> they're not yeah, our no, demographic. No, no. They're not your demographic, <laughs> and it showed last election. Exactly. So, uh, no, it's, 
it's it's in transition and and people can't forget that this is phase one mm-hmm. of the development of um because oh they have so much more room to to yeah, grow there and they yeah, will for the next 25 years so it's going to be incremental but it's going to go all the way past marconi i mean it's going to go all the way to uh, rosemount mm-hmm. so over time so Right now, the cranes are up, and you see condos being built adjacent, right adjacent to uh, the mill campus, mm-hmm. and you know they're creating a new neighborhood within the city. So uh, the impact on Park X is going to be. Uh, I, I found amazing because I, I, I'm not sure if you were there. You're probably there. It was during a SEDEC board meeting where the 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 university's. Uh, group came and presented the project and they explained to us the impact that the the ETS had downtown which spurred into the creation of Griffintown it wasn't it wasn't uh, just a random thing that happened in Griffintown everything was purposely done there to develop that area and they're comparing park extension um, to that project and I remember this being back in 2007, 2008, and I was excited from back then. I was like, this is going to be great. You know, they had showed us a radius of, you know, the impact that it'll have on the area, and pretty much half of Park Extension was including in that, included in that. Yeah. I mean, there, there's obviously ATS and Griffintown, what Griffintown is changing now. I mean, uh, with, I mean, as issues in Griffintown in terms of a lot of condos being mm-hmm. s- bought out by non-resident yeah. So they're empty kind of uh, just pushing up. But that's a reality price. everywhere yeah, in Montreal. In, in Montreal, Toronto, Vancouver. Yeah. I mean, it's a reality. But it, it, it's pushing up, unfortunately, the price of housing and entrance in the market for a young family. Uh-huh. So I mean, it's it's great that they build a beautiful condo tower. But because the money comes from abroad and is bought as investment, it's pushing up, uh, pushing up the prices of properties, of condos, etc., just putting the average uh, Montreal, Quebec family, and many Canadian family on the lurch and on being unable to, to purchase their first home or their first condo. Are you at all involved, or do you uh, do you work at all with these social groups in Park Extension that are worried about this transition? Uh, not very much. I have enough with PYO yeah. uh, and the other organization that I sit on board. Uh, but I, I do follow what they do. Uh, it's highly commendable. Uh, but uh, I'm not directly involved. Mm-hmm. It'd be interesting to see how that evolves because you know you can all, anyone can obviously see the urgency in what they're uh, claiming, but at the same time, I mean the counterweight to that is just advancement and progress. That who wouldn't want that, right? I mean, you can't st- you can't stop it. Once once uh, the campus was uh, because they had various location for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, once it was established and when they they dug up the first uh, shovel of earth, it was done. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. There's no going back. Yeah. And whatever we we want or could do, I think now what we want to establish, I think as citizen and as community organization, is really try to establish a, a positive relationship with the university where citizens could benefit from their presence. You know, the meetings I had, they seemed very well-intentioned, and I think that, you know, already the stuff that they're doing is maybe, um, you know, uh, a look into the future that could probably uh, point to a to good cooperation and many more similar projects happening, especially in Park Extension. Well, it's baby step right now. I mean, yeah. they're doing the minimum. 
uh, and that's okay. It's the first step. I'm I'm one that believes in positive negotiation. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in uh, in an approach which is confrontational. Mm-hmm. I believe that it may take more time than my approach, but I think you build it on a solid footing where there's a trust between organizations and you build something for a long period of time versus trying to be confrontational because once you're c- you confront an organization they'll be on the defensive and yeah, you're you know, you're putting up a wall and it's it's never it's never and, and you know my my approach is probably different than the approach of other uh, people in, that work in this sector that are a little bit more uh, edgy <laughs> a little bit more demanding and want it done now uh, be- maybe because I'm old and I don't move as fast anymore, uh, <laughs> these young people are are doing it, and you know, and, and it's fine. You know, it's a different approach. We each have our styles and mm-hmm. our approach. Mine would have been, mine would be a little bit different in regards to. It'll take a little bit more time, but we'll establish partnership, a trust, and then we could build something for the long term. You are a sage man, Mr. Kalchi. Uh, I'm not going to take up too much of your time. I know that you're a busy man. Uh, thank you. Thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it, and it was, it was nice to see you again. It was great to see you, George. Thank you so much for inviting me. It was, <laughs> it was a pleasure. I appreciate it.